I think it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello, hello, and happy Tuesday. Hope that you're all happy, healthy, and safe wherever you are today. We Before we get started with everything, and I know that there's a lot of topics to talk about today, whether it's uh, the decision by prosecutor, special prosecutor uh, Jack Smith to go to the Supreme Court and determine whether or not President, former President Trump is, in fact, immune. Uh, we also, we could talk about that. We could talk about, I think, one of the biggest stories, of course, is going to continue to be the decision by the Texas Supreme Court to not allow Kate Cox to terminate her pregnancy, even though the uh, the diagnosis for her fetus is that it is not uh, it has a lethal disorder and is not survivable and also puts her in danger her life in danger her ability to have children in the future in danger uh, we can talk about that in a moment because uh, I am I I just I keep thinking I'm in a nightmare that I'll wake up at some point and uh, we all know that that's not coming I think I, I remember having delusions of of grandeur you know years ago thinking certainly something is going to happen that will set us back on course. You know, I'm not saying like a hero, but something that would turn the tide back towards us. Just not even, just at the bare minimum civility when we talk about our politics. But that seems to have uh, gone by the wayside. We talk about Ron Johnson, who says that uh, the uh, false electors uh, should not be thrown off the board of election electors in uh, elections in Wisconsin. We'll talk to Dan Schaefer about that in a few moments, as well as what's going on uh, with the University of Wisconsin system because Speaker DeVos uh, and the Republicans in the General Assembly of Wisconsin are demanding that the universities uh, cease uh, DEI, diversity, inc- uh, equality, and inclusion practices, and as far as hiring, that they do not have to, that they should not and cannot have uh, diversity hires if they want to have funding released in order to uh, pay faculty uh, and give raises. Whew, it's a lot of stuff. So let me tell you some good news as we dive into some of those topics, uh, amongst other things. But uh, coming up at 6 o'clock, I am really excited to share an interview that I had the pleasure of recording earlier today. We interviewed... Secretary of the Department of Treasury of Treasury. We did that a couple weeks ago. That was Deputy Secretary. Secretary. Okay, let me do this again. A little drum roll. Coming up at six o'clock, you'll uh, hear an interview that we ha- were able to record this morning with the Secretary of the Department of Transportation, Pete. Buttigieg. It was uh, lovely to talk to him. There has been uh, an announcement of over $600 billion of, uh, is it $600 billion? I know it was a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot of money going to uh, really investing in our rural transportation paths and avenues, whether it's the highways, the trains, ports, airports. And we had that conversation with him earlier today, and I'm, I'm excited to share that with you in the second hour, because I want to make sure that as many ears as possible hear that, uh, because that also is when we are list- we, heard- we are heard in Minneapolis, St. Paul. So that gives us a little bit more reach. So if you are listening on a terrestrial radio, please, please consider uh, 
downloading the TuneIn app, uh, listening to us on HeartlandSignal.com, because I know a lot of folks are, are starting to get that sort of fuzzy, glitchy sound right now as the uh, sun goes down. Our, our signal strength is not the same. So one way to make sure you hear all of our shows here on WCPT is to listen to us digitally. And uh, you can also watch the live stream. I believe we're up. Are we up on Facebook? We know if we're on Facebook, yes? We don't know, not yet? Oh, we're working on it. We're close. We, I can see the screens. Uh, so shortly, we will be uh, also live streaming. We've been having a little bit of issues with that in regards to somebody changed all of our stuff. <laughs> I don't know who did it, but um, we will be, we're working on getting the Facebook live stream going as well. And um, I, let's see what we got here. We, uh, I, 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 um, I'm looking forward. We're, we're looking forward to talking to Scott Santos today. Uh, he's going to be on after uh, our interview with uh, Secretary Pete Buttigieg, and uh, I want to talk to him on, about his thoughts on what's going on in Texas because uh, it, it is difficult for everyone. Um, that has a conscience, I guess, is the best way to put it. Um, I, guess, I, I can't say that people who uh, profess to be uh, protectors and guardians of life don't have a conscience. Uh, I just don't know how. I, I, well, they feel the same way about me, right? That uh, terminating a pregnancy is to them, to many people who are influenced primarily, it seems, by their religion to say when life begins. And I don't know how we put this isn't even a pregnancy that will culminate in a child that will survive, uh, apparently with a tremendous amount of care. And look, um, a, a tremendous amount of care, a, a baby born with this disorder has a very slim chance of surviving at all. But I mean, surviving and by surviving, I mean, being the delivery of, of coming into the of of living. Right. We talk about life, but, you know, it's not just that the, the, the disorder is lethal. It's that it's painful and uh, it has no chance of living. Uh, apparently with some extreme care, there's a minimal amount of time. And in the meantime, uh, folks who, again, claim to be guardians of life, su- supply and provide very little in the ter- in terms of care for people who have disabilities or debilitating diseases so what 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 is their their game their, their game plan here uh, putting a family um, in complete distress a woman's life in danger her future ability to have children also at risk what is it what is the, the game plan here it, it, it is it's suffering all around. And then it's terrifying for girls and women who live in places like Texas where and people are asking, like, why didn't Kate Cox leave town in the first place and go out of state to have the procedure done? Well, it's it's not. an. First of all, she's gone through so much. It's expensive. So we, like, not every woman that is going through this, not every family can provide the, the amount of money it's going to take to travel, to make sure that they secure the best treatment and then to recover in your own home, surrounded by your family and the people who love you and care for you. So uh, she shouldn't have to. 
And there are more and more states that are moving in the direction of not only doing what Texas did yesterday with the Supreme Court saying that the the doctors and uh, Kate Cox did not make a strong enough case to terminate her pregnancy. And, and the, pro- the other thing is, I mentioned this yesterday, I shouldn't know this woman's name or what is wrong with her fetus. I shouldn't know. We shouldn't know any of these things. That was the point of Roe v. Wade. None of this is our business. And I and people have asked, you know, is, is Kate Cox maybe, you know, doing this uh, you know, for the, the fight of it? Maybe. And I, I, I'm not grateful to know her name. I'm grateful that we are, we're learning about this, that we know this story, because I will tell you, there are thousands of women across the country who have had to put their lives at risk, have some who have died, some whose babies have died. We know that the maternity rates in the United States are nowhere near where they should be considering uh, our advancements in technology and the wealth of this country. So I, I really, it makes me so incredibly angry that the Supreme Court of Texas, uh, and basically, I mean, I guess... According to the, you know, what they, what their ruling was based on the way the legislature crafted the laws. They they made what they believed to be in line with the state of Texas's. Uh, and again, the state of Texas elections matter. What the state of Texas citizens have decided uh, should be the law of the land in Texas, and that, and that includes now. Uh, if she, I, I've seen a lot of this, we know that the first. Hints of all of this was that Texas, uh, you know, in, in the the wake of Roe v. Wade, and I believe they did it before Roe v. Wade fell. They uh, they said that people could sue anyone who provides aid and assistance to a woman who tri- who terminates a pregnancy, whether they travel out of state, they provide the services, all of those things. So I don't know if Kate Cox and the people who are giving her support are now going to be sued by residents of Texas for terminating her pregnancy, which again ha- was none of our business. It was none of our business. We shouldn't know any of it. Let's take a break here. Let's check in with Dan Schaefer from the Recombobulation area coming up. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Ron, Ron Johnson. Uh, let's talk about some fair voting. And let's talk about uh, the uh, move by the General Assembly of Wisconsin to withhold funding because they just don't like the way the University of Wisconsin does things. More in a moment on WCPTA 20, Heartland Signal. If you want to stay informed about Midwestern politics, check out Heartland Signal. We are WCPT 820's multimedia newsroom, and we cover everything from local politics and state legislative sessions to updates about the 2024 presidential election. For the latest information, you can find digital news updates at heartlandsignal.com and new video content on our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube accounts. At Heartland Signal, where facts matter. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Hi, folks. I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview, as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee, where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. 
It is time to catch up with our good friend Dan Schaefer, the publisher of the Recombobulation Area, covering all things Wisconsin and uh, never, uh, never a dull day, it seems, in Wisconsin. Dan, how are you doing today? Doing well, Patty. Always good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, so uh, I heard this uh, last night as I was falling asleep. Uh, you know, I'm a dork and I listen to uh, news sometimes. <laughs> so I'm drifting off. I heard Ron Johnson say about the false electors of Wisconsin who all agreed that Joe Biden had indeed won the election. Uh, he says that, you know, they didn't do anything different than Democrats uh, have been doing. And when asked for a reference, he's like, well, I, I didn't come prepared to, to give you any specifics. Well, then don't say the thing that needs specifics. Right. Uh, we're back. We're back to talking about our senior senator here in Wisconsin. Our, our, our former weekly segment. I feel like talking about whatever crazy thing Ron Johnson said in the news. Yes, he was on CNN, uh, embarrassing himself last night, uh, talking about the fake electors plot, which of course he had a role in, um, and of course he also one of those ten fake electors was somebody that he hired to his campaign staff. Uh, so when he's talking about all oh, these poor individuals who had to endure all this scrutiny well that was somebody that was uh on his campaign staff that he was talking right. about there but yes uh there was kind of a renewed effort to uh to re-examine the roles of those uh fake electors in wisconsin this week um the uh secretary of state here in wisconsin sarah godlewski uh she has called on uh Bob Spindell, a Republican-appointed member of the Wisconsin Elections Commission, has called on him to resign or, or be removed uh, from his position. And, and the reason for that is because last week, uh, Spindell and those other 10 fake electors in the state of Wisconsin had a, uh, agreed in a settlement uh, to say that their, their actions were unlawful and that fake electors plot and that Joe Biden did indeed win in Wisconsin in 2020. Uh, so, you know, kind of a renewed effort to to reexamine Bob Spindell in particular's role in that uh, after that settlement. So, uh, and and of course, uh, just to bring it back around, it is you know our senior senator going on going on CNN to again downplay these actions right. to, in the attempt to you know overturn an election you know no big deal yeah oh uh, yeah i mean look with the national news and with the court uh, appearance today of rudy giuliani and the uh, you know the the ways in which he absolutely ruined the lives of ruby and uh and now i'm trying i'm trying to remember the women's names that were uh, so incredible uh in their testimony for the january 6 hearings you know people like that across the country who were doing their job and having people yell at them threaten them uh and, and deny the validity of the election i'm glad that we still we still are uh prosecuting these folks honestly and and finding that the people are being held accountable but it doesn't stop anybody like Ron Johnson from spewing all kinds of idiocy, really. That's <laughs> the best way to put it. He, he has uh, continued to evade accountability on this, hasn't he? You know, it's, uh, it's really something. But, um, you know, he, Johnson, of course, can, can always go on the news and, and make, a, uh, <laughs> make himself look ridiculous. I was just about to drop a couple four-letter words there on you. Uh, stop myself. So, uh, you know, helping your producer out here. Um, <laughs> Um, hey, believe me, there's a surprise. I haven't done it yet. So, <laughs> go ahead. 
Yeah, he can go make a fool out of himself. But, you know, there's there's a renewed effort here in Wisconsin to get rid of uh, Bob Spindell in particular. And Spindell has been a really problematic uh, member of the Wisconsin Elections Commission. Basically, the way this commission is structured is that there are three uh, appointees from Democrats and three appointees from Republicans. So the this was what was uh, essentially created uh, by Republicans in 2015 to, to govern the way uh, Wisconsin runs its elections. You know, a lot of states have their elections run through their secretary of state. Uh, Wisconsin does not. It's much more localized the way uh, the, the elections are run here, which I think is ultimately a good thing uh, for if it works for Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> but is but the way the uh, the elections commission is set up is that. Uh, the Republican Senate majority leader gets to appoint a member of the Elections Commission. So Republican Senate majority leader here in Wisconsin, Devin Lemahieu, uh, actually reappointed Spindell to the Wisconsin Elections Commission in 2021. So that means it was after he served as one of the 10 fake electors. So, you know, there people have called on Spindell to be removed non, a number of times. You know, we ran a story at the Recombibulation Array earlier this year about Spindell and some comments that he made when he was essentially bragging about voter suppression uh, efforts that they, that they you know, kind of employed in Milwaukee in the midterms last year. And he, he was bragging about uh, turnout in black and brown neighborhoods being down in Milwaukee, because uh, clearly that was part of their strategy in, for Republicans to try to suppress the vote uh, in, in communities of color in Milwaukee. So there was a, a call for him to be removed then. Uh, and now after this admission, there's there's those renewed calls as well. So I think the, the pressure is starting to ramp up a little bit uh, with Godlewski's call, with the national attention it's got with Johnson's uh, uh, interview last night, and I think there's a press conference happening in Milwaukee tomorrow with a number of different organizations on that. So that so that's definitely something to watch. Are you uh, following the story at all? I, I did not realize that there was movement in Wisconsin to uh, have a bill that would basically bring in a form of ranked choice voting. I was surprised that this had some bipartisan support. Right, have you been following this one? So yeah, there was some. I, I have been following a little bit. There, there was some bipartisan support for a version of ranked choice voting uh, to be proposed for Wisconsin. I noticed today that Republicans were actually introduced a bill to ban ranked choice voting <laughs> uh, in Wisconsin. Oh my God! Which uh, you know we don't have it, so they're not really banning anything that is used anywhere. Oh my God! Uh, but I saw a of number course. of you know Republicans tweeting about how the fact that there was a Democrat elected in Alaska. So we can't have ranked choice voting here because right. of that, because <laughs> those partisan reasons, I guess. I don't really understand uh, the rationale for it. I think it's kind of an interesting process, but, um, you know, uh, I'm far, far from flawless, certainly. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, it's all far from flawless, but I, I do like the idea of it. And I think that, uh, you know, as, as somebody pointed out, I, I don't know if it was Republican or Democrat in Wisconsin, that it's more about incentivizing the candidates and how they run rather than, you know, it, it does encourage them to not go negative and instead run on their own, their own, you know, pluses, their own, you know, their own achievements uh, and plans rather than what somebody else can't do. So that, anyway, I, I'm, I'm a fan of ranked choice voting, but I was surprised to see that there was some uh, some Republican participation on this legislation. Uh, well, there was there was an effort a couple of years ago that, to try to do this, and it was a bipartisan effort. But it was it was an effort that was brought forth by a couple of state legislators uh, from, a, a, I believe, a Republican and a Democrat. But they 
we're proposing it not for state legislative elections. We're proposing it for congressional elections. And it's like, if you actually believe in this and as a way to elect somebody, why not propose it for the seat state you're in, you know, seats for actually in the state legislature. <laughs> right. um, seemed like a big distraction as much as anything. So. Well, I, I would imagine or I suspect that the reason they're trying to ban it is because municipality, maybe there are municipalities somewhere in Wisconsin, because we have in Illinois, uh, Evanston, to name one of the uh, places that has uh, that does use ranked choice voting for their municipal elections. So maybe they just want to prohibit it in the future. Don't even think about it is what they're trying to say. <laughs> it's, what, it's interesting. It's, it's worth looking into it. I agree. I agree. What's also worth looking into is what what I'm sorry, what does DeVos and the Republicans, what what do they want from UW in in order to release the money? Uh, You know, teach the kids the way we want or you get no money. Is that what is that the strong arm they're getting? Yeah, that's uh, that's the big story in Wisconsin this week. Is why the the deal brokered between Robin Voss and the Republican state legislature and the University of Wisconsin system and and their funding. Uh, they are Republicans are. Uh, really hung up on the issue of DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, and they are trying to eliminate. Uh, they, they have made huge cuts to the UW system in the budget this year, uh, and the reason for that is they were trying to, you know, saying that we need to eliminate all uh, uses of DEI on all campuses across the board. Um, and, you know, the, the governor, of course, was not on board with that. Um, and so over the past week, the uh, UW system brokered a deal that would, you know, allow some some pay raises to go through for UW system employees, allow for some funding for a UW engineering building uh, that has been held up by Republicans and all to essentially kind of gut the uh, the way that, that the DEI is used uh, across the University of Wisconsin system. Um, and so that deal was, was brokered by those. And then in a Pretty surprising vote on Saturday morning. Uh, the UW Board of Regents actually voted that deal down by just one vote. So it was a nine to eight vote to uh, to go against that. But it looks like, uh, you know, just based on some very recent reporting from within, you know, maybe even the last hour or so, uh, looks like they might revive that deal and vote again on on Saturday, uh, which is, you know, it's it's in which you might they might even end up voting on the exact same deal. It, there might be no changes to that deal uh, and they might just kind of be doing it, doing it as a do over, which is which is interesting. Right. Um, you know, that the opposition to DEI is, is just seems like, you know, it just seems like. I don't want to say false flag, but it's just it seems so disingenuous um, about what they what their actual priorities are um, among Republicans in, in Madison. It just seems like they have so often been at odds with the university system uh, in the state and, and have has such a checkered history uh, on, you know, anything involving racial disparities across the across the state. I mean, Wisconsin has some of the worst racial disparities of any state in the country. Uh, and to, you know, remove uh, these types of programs that people of color rely on. And, and, you know, the Legislative Black Caucus in Wisconsin was united 
uh, in opposing this effort from Robin Voss from the UW system. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out with this vote, uh, perhaps coming as soon as Saturday. Are, I know that there was a piece by the WPR about uh, you know, what's the headline? They're going to be empty classrooms uh, as they're, they're reacting to cuts and layoffs. Uh, is this, you know, is this having a, a, an immediate impact? And do they have a handle on people maybe avoiding now Wisconsin? Although this is something that Republicans are doing all over the country. We saw the hearings with Elise Stefanik uh, going after Yale, not Yale, uh, Harvard, MIT, and Penn. This is, I mean, we've heard for decades Republicans angry about, uh, you know, liberal education and uh, indoctrination on our college campuses. Uh, but are you having a direct impact significantly already in Madison and in the other UW colleges? Yeah, so there's a couple other things happening here with that. Is that one of, one of the things is that's happening is that, you know, along with this deal that has happened, you know, the Republicans in the state legislature have cut funding for the UW system, and that is trickling down in a pretty significant way uh, to universities across the state. So my alma mater, UW Oshkosh, uh, is one of those, and I think they had to lay off, I think, one in six of all of their positions Whoa. Uh, at the university. And this again, this is happening at a time when we have a multi-billion dollar surplus in the state. I mean, you know, this, I think what, you know, what is happening is that Republicans are creating these false choices. You know, the, the Republicans since that vote on Saturday said, you know, the UW system chose, you know, a handful of DEI positions over, you know, $800 million in funding for a new engineering building. Well, we have the funding for that building. Right. We have the support for that. Even even some Republicans in the legislature who are not named Robin Voss are, are you know, uh, in support of doing that kind of thing. The pay raises for the UW system employees have already been passed uh, in the state budget. There's just one person, Robin Voss. Uh, standing, standing in the way of those uh, those funds and those raises being released to what I believe is like thirty thousand employees across the state. Um, so it's it's a pretty ridiculous situation. Uh, and again, it's just these false choices that that these Republicans are, are constantly imposing on on the state of Wisconsin, where it's just like we don't have to make a choice to value diversity or fund a new engineering building. We can do both. Yeah. We can do both and we can and should do both. And we, and we can't continue to fall victim to these false choices that Republicans are putting in front of us. Well, not if it means being diverse, equal and inclusive, Dan, that goes against <laughs> every fiber of their being. Uh, by the way, I was in uh, I was in, in Kenosha. There's a comedy club uh, in Kenosha that I absolutely love. Uh, one of my favorite venues in the country. Uh, and I uh, laughed today when I saw your uh, timeline about the uh, gas prices because I couldn't believe the gas was. I saw gas for two fifty nine uh, just inside Kenosha, Wisconsin. It was crazy. Yeah, pretty wild, huh? It's very exciting. But I guess, I guess we have Joe Biden to thank for this, right? <laughs> just as this as they blame Joe Biden for the prices going up. No, I'm not a, I'm not a complete dunce, so I don't actually think the president has a lever to control the gas prices uh, hidden within the White House. Right, right. But apparently you guys might drop under $2, which uh, I think a lot more. Because cause you guys are about, I, I, I almost I almost drove off the side of the road and turned back to go back to Kenosha because it, it's like 60 cents to a dollar more here, if not higher in some parts of Chicago. So uh, I might be, it, it might be worth the road trip. <laughs> 
<laughs> which doesn't sound yeah. logical because it's not good for the environment. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Wisconsinites are driving down to Illinois to get something we can't get here in Wisconsin. Oh, for sure. did we so. talk about this last week with that map? I think we did, right? With the, I don't know if I've talked to you since then from Michigan. How no, I, maybe not, yeah. <laughs> It's not funny. It, I'm, I'm sorry that you are completely surrounded now. And not only that, but apparently they're they're posting troopers on the, the borders in order to find people, inspect their cars and find them. And it's not yeah. it's not funny, yeah. Dan. Do you, yeah, there was, a, there was that story from, I think, one of the Michigan publications who did a really, really interesting in-depth uh, story about the border of uh, Wisconsin and the Upper Peninsula of Michigan and how that has become an uh, absolute hotbed for marijuana dispensaries. Uh, and there are, and they showed, you know, it was like one dispensary did this map of where all of their customers have come from to, to come enjoy their products. And I think it was just like basically the whole eastern half of the and northern part of the state of Wisconsin was basically what amounted to those maps. And so there's a lot, there's a lot of people, I think. Who are driving up to the UP to uh, to uh, get some <laughs> get some legal provisions? Yeah, I didn't realize that Michigan's prices are cheaper than ours too. So I guess it makes sense that more people are going to the UP than they are coming to the borders of Illinois. Because it, it's uh, there's more restrictions and how close the dispensaries can be in Illinois, and, and the cost is is uh, definitely different too. So I mean, like in Los Angeles, there was uh, I mean, there's a dispensary in every block, and that's uh, they're like Starbucks there, and uh, <laughs> there's one across from an In and Out Burger with the longest long for a drive through I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Well, if people are going one, going to one store and then making their way to the next, right? It, it is an absurd restriction and prohibition because I, unless my hotel had some sort of special immunity, people are getting high in Wisconsin, folks. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's for sure. Yeah. How That's was that? Sure. How was that? Oh, so I've heard. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Let me know if you need anything. Um, how are the? Uh, I, I I didn't really pay attention to much uh, football this week. How 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 are the uh, Packers doing? Uh, they lost. They lost. They lost on Monday Night Football. It was not great. It was not great. But you know what? They're still in the playoff hunt. Still ahead of the Bears. So, yes. uh, so that you know, it's a learning season for us. Well, uh, I, it's, a, it's a season of transition for the Bears. I think it was wasn't it supposed to be the, some sort of breakthrough season? <laughs> I, you know, the Packers are kind of in between things, trying to learn where they're at. They've got the youngest team in the NFL. Okay, you, know, you never know. It's, sure, we're going to lose a couple of road games here and there. Fair. Uh, I didn't even know we were. I, I didn't even know we were still playing. I thought like I just. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, we won? That's exciting. I had no idea. It's very sad. Uh, well, thank you so much. Oh, I have one more question. Uh, we met, uh, I finally got to meet in person uh, the candidate for the 1st Congressional District, uh, Lorenzo Santos. Is that still, is there another candidate in that race? Because I haven't heard much from them at all. Yeah, it's, things have been pretty quiet uh, in that particular district. So, okay. you know, I, I saw that uh, saw that news on on. And Santos, not George Santos, I hope. Uh, <laughs> another Santos. Poor guy. He's, uh, teased about he's on that. cameo now, I guess, right here. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, 
So, uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, I have to imagine uh, things are going to be ramping up there in the not too distant future, and that is definitely going to be a district to watch. Yeah, I, uh, I I talked to him and his campaign manager, and I was like, get on the doors. They're like, oh wait, no, no, get on the doors right now. Get everyone, get your name out there. Let everyone meet you. And the thing about doing doors is that people are impressed by that. Not just it's not just that person you meet; it's the stories they tell to their friends and their family. So for, that's not just for Lorenzo. I told his campaign manager that, but I'm telling everybody who's running, get out there, get door to door. I know it seems like a waste of time, but doors are yeah, 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 exactly. So I, I'll, I'll plug a recent story that we published yes. at uh, the Recommendation Area. A really terrific piece from. From Angela Lang, who's a regular contributor at the Recombibulation Area. She's also the executive director of Black Leaders Organizing for Communities, otherwise known as BLOCK, uh, here in Milwaukee. And she wrote a really terrific piece for us at the Recombibulation Area about, you know, the impact of going on doors and, and how people should be reimagining their, uh, their thought process uh, about how to reach voters and, and how to, you know, engage people. And, and, you know, there was, she was actually interviewed on CNN uh, about a month or so ago about how, you know, some black voters in Milwaukee are not especially enthused about Biden. But I think, uh, you know, she, as she kind of uh, broke down in the piece in a lot of ways, it's just, you have to earn people's votes. You know, they, yeah. you have to go out there and get on doors and earn people's votes and listen to them and, and, you know, explain what, uh, what policies are working and explain what you might want to do differently and ex- and really engage those voters directly because, you know, she, she talks about uh, working in the 53206 zip code, which is probably the most impoverished uh, zip code area in the uh, in the city of Milwaukee uh, and how so often when they go to doors uh, talking to people there, they, it's often the first time a lot of people have had a political yes. organization knock on their doors. Right. Uh, and so I think that is, it's, I really encourage you to read that piece. It's, it's really, really well, uh, well articulated on, on the importance of, you know, rethinking the way you engage voters with, you know, just less than a year out until the, uh, until the 2024 election. Excellent. We will check that out. And everyone should check out everything that Dan Schaefer produces. He's uh, the publisher of the Recombobulation Area. Sign up for his newsletter for Substack. You can follow him on Twitter. It's Schaefer, S-H-A-F-E-R. And we're always grateful to catch up with you. And we're, we're grateful for the work that you do. And uh, I look forward to talking to you next week, if you'll have us. All right. Thanks so much for having me on. Do you have any more uh, uh, co-hosting uh, duties coming up that you want to let us know about or other appearances? Other radio stuff. I'm, I'm got a lot of radio stuff going on these days. So, uh, you know, if, in addition to uh, this this wonderful segment that we have every week here, I've been on As Goes Wisconsin uh, as a co-host today. That's one of the civic media shows that's broadcast throughout the state. And then I'm hosting WTMJ Nights this Friday, hey. from seven to nine. Going to be talking to some uh, local candidates for office in our spring election, which is right around the corner. Outstanding. So, uh, That'll be a good one. Stay busy. Subscribe, and we'll be able to share the audio for that, even if you miss it, if you're out, uh, you know, enjoying your Friday night as well. Fabulous. We got. We have to keep these stories going and, and keep people informed, and uh, you're a big part of that. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks so much, Patty. Thank you. Have Take a good care. One. You too. Let's take a break here. The phone lines are open, 773-763-9278. What do you want to talk about? Let me know. Is it uh, Texas and uh, their decision on the Supreme Court yesterday to prohibit Kate Cox from receiving the health care services that she needed? Uh, is it Ron Johnson? Is it, uh, let's see, well, let me know what you want to talk about. Is it something in Chicago? Uh, there's a lot going on in City Hall. The restrictions for who can sit in the gallery, uh, apparently that's up in the air. Ooh! 
And one more thing uh, that I didn't mention earlier is uh, a story that was reported by Alice Yin and uh, Rich Miller from Capital Facts talking about how CPS has tucked a little change in their six over 6,000-page uh, publication about the direction of CPS. Uh, and it's in regards to charter schools and select enrollment. More after this on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Hey, Google, play WCPT. Streaming Chicago's progressive talk from TuneIn. Hey there, it's your guy, Warren Price, from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200. That's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. The phone lines are open. What is on your mind? What do you want to talk about here? Let's talk to Jim in Chicago. Jim, what's on your mind, my friend? Call Paul at the Table Kitchen Progressive Show on Sunday night. In the estimation, what's the difference between a favorable rating or a poll rating? And he said he actually did poll, and it's so unreliable that you can't even, he went into a mathematical equation. <laughs> right. I, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> but but he did, he, 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 uh, he put some um, foundation on the way I feel about it, because Hillary won by about 3 million popular votes, right? Biden was by 7 million proper votes. Now, the 2020 election didn't have Roe versus Wade in it. Right. Which, kept, which gave us a 50-year, really, a 50-year advantage over the Republicans in that uh, midterm. Without, without Roe versus Wade, we probably would have lost the Senate. I don't know for sure. I'm not, I'm just speculating. Pretty. But, and then you've got Trump with all these indictments. You've got Roe versus Wade. You've got a, an economy that is just defying uh, gravity. So, I mean, I, I'm optimistic, but still, you can't be optimistic when you've got a crazy person running for president. But you know, they they insist on running this man who's a you know who's not qualified to be president. That's 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 the most uh, defeating part about it. You know, when you think about a candidate who's who, who's not. Qualified to be president. Well, there's a lot of different there's a lot of different elements to it. There's the the people. That, I mean, there really there's not one reason that Republicans are you know just jumping back on Trump and he's still their ride or die. Some truly believe he is sent here by God. I mean, there is that faction that that's why they show up to the. I know they show up to the rallies. They they uh, they feel like he's their, their fearless leader, right? Then there are the Republicans. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. But real quick, Saturday I took a couple of books out of the library, and the lady, the librarian said, "Your due date is uh, January 6th. I said, "Well, there's a date no one's going to forget." Well, she stepped back, and it was kind of crowded. I, she gave me a look like you're trying to inside a riot here. So I took my books and I'm going past the kettle, and I put a couple of books in the kettle, the Salvation Army kettle, and I and uh, and. Uh, 
the girl said something to me, and I said, well, I, anyway, she was a Trump supporter. She said, well, Trump will say this. Oh, no, I said to her, I said, Jesus, you must be really a, a hassle with the, the, between the immigrants and the homeless, and you must be ever. And she said, oh, Trump will say this. This is a bell ringer for the Salvation Army. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was just like, I, yeah. God, I said, you can't get down the street. You know what I mean? I wonder uh, if know. that's a particularly sort of conservative mindset of someone. Like, I, I made a joke earlier that, you know, in the, the this looming threat of Trump winning back in 2015, I thought certainly someone would step up and, like, not save us, but there would be some, some sort of, you know, t- turn of the tides. But when I was helping out during the mayoral election, I was helping out an aldermanic candidate, there was somebody who was very very high on, on conservative candidates and would say they'll save us i don't I, like i don't see any candidates as someone that will save us i pick the people that best reflect the policies that i prefer that i that are my you know my passions whether it's improving education oh, yeah, access sure. to healthcare, right yeah i, I don't even yeah, we've We've got 46 presidents, haven't we? 46? I don't think any of them is going to seek to be Perfect. called a savior. You know, no. No, nobody's a savior. And, uh, but, uh, anyway, yeah. I, you know, I'm just an old fashioned Democrat, but my point is look, look what's going on in the House. They, they're putting the screws to bang over uh, all places. Uh, the Ukraine, which is terrible, this poor president's getting the risk of his life. He's got to come to America with his hat in his hand. Right. They know, they know the stakes there. And uh, anyway, Patty, but I, I guess I'm optimistic about it. I can't understand. I can't see all these people turning towards Trump. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, you know, unless they really believe that, uh, you know, unless he can do <laughs> magic act or something, but I don't think so. Anyway, Patty, thanks a million, dear. Thank Take you. Care. All right, thank you, thank you. Uh, let's take a break here. Take some more phone calls when we come back. You're listening to WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. We're driving it home till 7. I'm your host, Patty Vasquez, and we want to thank our sponsors, Monaco Brewing Company. Go to the Patty V Show page, Patty Vasquez Show page on Facebook, and you can find out where you might be able to pick up a maybe a, a Kamala Stout or a Choice Hard Seltzer. Uh, the purchase of uh, Choice Seltzers and Wines. Also support Personal Pack and Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin. So uh, thank you to Kirk Bankston for your continued support. Uh, support this show by purchasing maybe a T-shirt. You can go to the Monaco Brewing Company Facebook uh, Facebook page as well as their website and order maybe some great uh, T-shirts for the holiday season. He's got some really uh, great messages to share with progressives. We also want to thank our friend Warren Price at European U.S. Collision Center over at 4080 North Broadway. Visit EuropeanUS.com if you are in need of car repair. Uh, in particular, they do an amazing job with uh, auto body repair. And if there's a mechanical issue that uh, he's not able to address, he knows the best folks in town, and he'll point you in the right direction. So visit EuropeanUS.com. And again, our friends at Kids Above All are making sure that the children in their care and uh, the services that they receive, uh, we're bringing a little bit of magic to kids. Uh, Everyone deserves some magic at the Christmas time, and many of these children have survived uh, trauma, uh, have uh, struggled, have had some, uh, just they need some extra care. Care and let's bring them some magic. Go to kidsaboveall.org. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now. 
at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. We are driving it home. The phone lines are open. I want to know what's on your mind. Uh, right out of the gate from that break, let's talk to Dave Hoffman from, from um, Dave. Dave Hoffman. That's your name now. Dave from Hoffman Estates. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind? That's okay. As long as I spell it correctly on the paycheck. <laughs> there you go. Yep. Uh, on, you know, with this, this Kate Cox this case in Texas, uh. like I was telling Lady B, I said that these this AG and the governor and all of these people, like, when their time on this side of the earth there should be is over. There should be a special place in hell for these people for what they're doing with this woman, you know. They will never, ever, I mean, I'm not saying that that every single person, that there's any absolutes, but these people truly in their hearts, and I know this because uh, I've I've talked about my uh, my brother-in-law who works in D.C., absolutely, their hearts are filled with self-righteousness. They think that they are carrying out this crusade, you know, dictated by God, even though nothing in the Bible says that we should be doing this to women at all. And, and, And even if it did, it's not my Bible, folks. (laughs) <laughs> like, I, like I told ADP too, I said, and these are the same people, then on Sunday, they'll go over into the pew there and have their arms at 45 degrees with their hands together, looking up at the top of the church, praying, you know, all self-righteous. But yeah. I got to thinking about this. I don't know if you recall this case. The, it's not of, a, of a abortion, but it's a parallel in a sense. If you remember that, uh, Terry Schiavo. Yes, the uh, it was um, euthanasia in Florida. They wouldn't that, let her terminate. They wouldn't let her family terminate her. In the, they wouldn't let the, her, them decide. Her the husband care. wanted to take yeah. out. You know, the husband wanted to take out the feeding tubes and stuff. Right. And the family and the Republicans and all of that. It got to be a real match, just like in this case, because um, they wanted to keep it, keep her on the feeding tubes. And remember, they were showing her on TV and all of this stuff. You know that. The, and that you know, and then um, they, her husband had been told already by uh, her internist or whatever that, uh, whatever you call these guys, that uh, she's going to be a vegetable the rest of her life. That she's in this vegetative state, and that, and right. and her husband, you know, he had they didn't have no living will or anything like that in the sense, and uh, and he just said, you know, she didn't want to be this way, didn't want to end up, you know, with. Uh, that kind of stuff, tubes or whatever, feeding and that, and filed a petition to, you know, to remove her from that feeding tube. And then, oh, good old former Florida Governor Jeb Bush. Yep. Then he he had a lot. He did a, a law, Terry's law, which, event, you know, to keep that feeding tube inserted, reinserted. But then that legislation was later deemed unconstitutional by Florida Supreme Court. Surprise, surprise. And then um and then in 05, his his big brother his big brother Georgie moved to allow the Seattle case to be heard in federal court but the the Supreme Court in that they sided with the husband. They didn't even um they declined to intervene on this thing. Right. And then she died like thirteen days after that. But uh and then I think he still had a fight with the uh, parents that the parents were one that wanted to keep the feeding tube right. and all of this stuff. And and then scrapping about where she was going to be buried. And I, cause he wanted her cremated and, and taken back to 
Philadelphia, where he was from, and they wanted her buried in in Florida, you know. And uh, but uh, she, she had her cremated then, and she went to Philadelphia. But uh, that was I remember, you know, how ugly that was. It was basically a Democrat and Republican, right? Crap. Well, because, you know, I, I can't remember. And I, I, well, I remember the Republicans were saying that, you know, that all life is precious and, we, you know, all means possible. And again, you know, it's it's it, I don't know, you know, this idea that uh, that God wants. Right. Well, you know, if it were not for the technology, uh, Terry Shavo, who suffered a car, severe cardiac arrest and was left in a vegetative state. How was how that not, you know, if, if that if in their minds, God dictates everything. I, I don't know. I guess they're saying that uh, they that God also provided the uh, technological advances to keep her breathing. I guess is I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what church they went to, but I do seem to recall that <laughs> to take away the sins, the God gave up His only Son, right, and so that we would be forgiven of the, the sins, right. Apparently, yeah. apparently, a, a brutal murder. Uh, yeah, it's there's a lot of things in the Bible that uh, are fables. I don't understand how. I mean, I just there's so many yeah. things. I, I that like there like there are certain things that we're supposed to take at absolute word, but other things are like, well, that's not really what they meant. Okay, I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. It's it seems you know, like I'll the teachings. With, yes, it's the teachings I'll, of Christ. I'll I think. Close out with this one, People, Patty, real quick. So uh-huh. we get somebody else. And I remember one more that was. Uh, Kind of like the first one with this, you know, right, right to die, right to life was that Karen Ann Quinlan, and she was the one that, oh God, this was back in about seventy five or seventy six, where she had taken, you know, some Valium with uh, with uh, alcohol and stuff, and she went into a coma and stuff like that, and she had been in a vegetative state, and they kept her going for quite a while, I think, and then her father nine years. Yeah, for nine yeah. years they kept her, and then she finally died from uh, pneumonia in uh, 1985. Yeah, yeah. So, anywho, I just thought I'd you know, toss that in. It's not exactly the same, but in some ways it is. It's kind well, of Well, because the argument was about know, what is what is life. Is brain activity uh-huh. life, right? If there's no brain activity, is that life? Or is it the mechanics of the medicine and the apparatus, the machines keeping her alive? Is that, you know, is that, it's, yeah. I mean, that's, it's a, it's an ethical battle, but, it, you know, it should be a family's decision. Correct. Correct. I just thought I'd share that with you and see what you felt. You took all. I'm going to tell you right now. You took all of Roosevelt's time. Hold on. Oh, no, no. I'm going to take it with Roosevelt in a minute. All right. Thanks, Dave. Okay. Yep. Sorry, Roosevelt. We got off on a tangent on a couple things. Do you want to do me a favor? Do you want? Do you you have something that you wanted to say briefly, or would you like to hang on and uh, and hang through my interview? No, no. I got a lot. I got a lot. I got a lot of stuff to talk about. (laughs) And you made me wait. No, I didn't do that. That was all. You were you were after I took everybody in order of their calls. I promise. Uh, so do you want to hang on? Hang on, and uh, Scott's going to join us at six fifteen, and I will get you on the air with me and Scott. Sound good? Sounds great. Excellent. Stand by. Let's take a break here, and uh, when we come back, uh, we are going to have an interview. I'm going to air this uh, conversation that I was uh, just so grateful to record this morning with Secretary of the Department of Transportation Pete Buttigieg. As we uh, the announcement came down earlier this week that there is going to be further uh, investments in rural transportation. Uh, that's going to be roads, bridges, 
trains. That's including a more investment at Union Station. They're going to expand Union Station. We're going to be, and I, I talked to him a little bit briefly, kind of in passing, about trying to get you know more train stops, including places like Galena. There is not a train stop on Amtrak. Amtrak going to Madison. Uh, there's a lot of places in the Midwest that should be accessible by rail, and hopefully they'll be working on that. More after this on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining us as we drive it home here on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM Minneapolis-St. Paul. Earlier today, I had the pleasure and the honor of interviewing Secretary of the Department of, Tra- of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. So I'd like to air that conversation right now. And uh, shortly, we'll be able to have that up the video online as well. And uh, here's my interview with Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Of course, as we head into the planes, trains, and automobiles of the holiday season, we are so thrilled to welcome Secretary of the U.S. Department of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. Uh, congratulations on all the tremendous amount of work we've gotten through. So tell us what this experience has been like, the new announcement of uh, infrastructure and uh, transportation investment in rural areas to keep people moving. Well, we're, we're thrilled. You know, uh, our first year as an administration, we put so much effort into getting President Biden's infrastructure package through. A lot of people didn't think it was possible. Uh, but about two years ago, he signed it there on the South Lawn of the White House. I was there. And the whole idea was to position us to make those generational investments around the country that are going to improve our infrastructure. And that's everything from airports to, uh, to tunnels to transit to improvements in rural communities, uh, small and mid-sized communities, uh, including around the Midwest that we know will benefit from from these kinds of federal dollars. So uh, to have reached this point where we're able to announce so many projects, uh, just the month of December alone has been full of exciting announcements uh, about what we're actually doing with these dollars, specific projects that are going to make people safer, they're going to make commutes better, they're going to make supply chains stronger. It's why we fought so hard to get this done in the first place, and it's incredibly rewarding to place that call to a mayor, to to a senator to a governor saying, hey, good news, that project you've been wanting to get done for years and years and years, we're finally going to get it done. Here comes the funding and, uh, and, and let's get to work on implementing. And we've known for a long time that we've needed this. And when we see a, yeah. a bridge collapse, uh, when we see, you know, when it's uh, and the impacts of climate change are also eroding our, you know, our, our, our thoroughways. Tell us a little bit about what you've heard from people, because I know you're traveling, making these announcements. I know that you were in uh, Raleigh, North Carolina recently. Tell us a little bit about those visits and, and sharing this information. You know, the biggest thing that strikes me when, when I make these trips and, and see the communities that we're helping is how long some of these projects have been in the works. I was in North Carolina yesterday. We're bringing about a billion dollars to uh, to develop a much-needed rail corridor that's going to run from Raleigh to Richmond and part of a bigger picture that will connect Charlotte all the way up to Washington, D.C. And I met people who've been working on this for 15 or 20 years. When I was in Grand Forks, North Dakota, where we're getting rid of a railroad crossing that is a massive community 
community headache and a problem for emergency response vehicles. They told me that their first plan to do that was in 1991, but it never happened because they didn't have the funding. We're finally solving that with railroad crossing elimination dollars. And likewise, as I look at some of what we're doing with these rural uh, announcements that we're uh, launching today, these are projects that you know are a long time in the works, whether it's uh, improving Route 9 in uh, Bloomington, Illinois, a six-mile stretch that's needed work for uh, for a very long time, or a stretch of I-380 in Iowa that has been, uh, anybody who drives it knows, uh, that has been a real pain point and, uh, and, and a source of frustration to watch it fall into the condition that it did. And we're improving a, a highway in Minnesota that's needed work, uh, long uh, a, a stretch in northern Michigan uh, that, uh, again, just anybody who drives on it knows uh, that it's needed work for a long time. We're finally getting it done. That's what's rewarding. And, and you hear that everywhere you go. Finally, finally, you're, you're doing something about this. Because too often, uh, funding is the barrier. You know, local and state officials know that there's a problem, know that this bridge or road or whatever it is needs work. They just haven't been able to get the funding to make it happen. And I know that there are, look, you know, we, we, we are obviously in the Midwest, but we reach people all over the country. And, you know, we are uh, really, I think, so in need of better train transportation. And we talk, I mean, here and from Chicago, we can't get to Madison, Wisconsin, and we or to uh, to Galena, Illinois. There, there are places that uh, people would visit more often. And that's a big part of this, too. You know, the rural investment, I think, brings us closer to uh, having experiences at towns that you've never visited. That's a big part of this, too, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, I think President Biden is probably the biggest passenger rail guy to be in the Oval yeah. Office since Abraham Lincoln. And it shows it's a big priority because we know that that rail unlocks economic opportunity. It makes communities stronger. And, you know, at risk of sounding a little bit nationalistic, we think America ought to have the best rail in the world. And I think uh, an honest accounting, any honest accounting, will acknowledge that we don't. Anybody who goes abroad sees what they have in Europe or parts of Asia or even parts of North Africa uh, looks looks at uh, the, the train service that citizens there can take for granted, comes home and says, why can't we have these nice things. We're changing that uh, because you get what you pay for. And by investing in better rail, we're investing in, in those kinds of opportunities. Now, it won't happen overnight, but what we're doing from uh, funding for high-speed rail between Nevada and Southern California to the, the Raleigh to Richmond corridor uh, on the East Coast that I was describing, uh, to improvements we're making to platforms in Union Station in Chicago uh, with the funding Yay. that we just announced, uh, we're, we're, we're really getting supercharging that, those improvements. And there's another Another important program that we also launched. It's uh, less, uh, making a bit less of a dollar splash, but it's just as big a deal. It's called Corridor ID. We announced uh, over 60 routes that we're putting into the Corridor Identification Program. What that means is they get planning dollars to develop them on the drawing board so that they can one day get off the drawing board and become a reality. And that includes routes out of Chicago in all directions uh, to make those connections that I think common sense tells you ought to be there. You just think about uh, the, the, the Midwest and all those cities that are a long drive or a short flight away from each other uh, would be excellent candidates for rail service. We're developing that with the dollars in this quarter ID program. It's not the billion-dollar grants to build them out. It's the six-figure grants that are going to help get the planning and engineering kick-started so that they can eventually get to that construction phase in the future. 
And you, you've mentioned how many uh, areas have been waiting to follow through on projects. Uh, some of them might be dream projects. Some of them might be obviously uh, utilitarian in nature that it has to be done. I am fascinated by this uh, San Juan County investment as well, uh, which is a kind of addressing longstanding obligations and promises made to the Navajo Nation. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, that's right. You know, uh, there are so many pieces of tribal infrastructure where tribal citizens have had to put up with neglect on routes that are critically important to them. Uh, we have 574 uh, federally recognized tribes in, in the United States, some of them large land-based tribes like the Navajo Nation. Uh, some of them uh, don't have land uh, at all uh, in, in the form of the reservation system, but have tribal citizens who depend on infrastructure and transit. Some of them are remote Alaskan villages that can only be reached by air. And so uh, there, there's different needs in different parts of the country. But what they have in common is a lot of promises were made. And we're finally delivering on some of those promises with these dollars. Uh, you meet these tribal transportation officials, they are asked to do so much with so little. We're working to make sure that any community that has been excluded in the past, tribal communities, rural communities, often communities or neighborhoods of color in our bigger cities, no longer have to. And whether we're talking about uh, a, a stretch of road through uh, northern New Mexico that's going to benefit tribal citizens there, or whether we're talking about extending the, the red line uh, deeper into the south side of Chicago. All of that adds up to making sure that everyone, and not just some people, can expect to benefit from these federal transportation dollars. Tell us a little bit about uh, the ports, too, because I think we talk a lot about the airports, the trains. Uh, tell us a little bit, because we talked a, a lot you know, in the last couple of years about our supply chain, and a lot of that has to do with our ports. Tell us a little bit about those investments as well. Well, look, ports are a big deal for all of us, even if you don't live anywhere near the coast. And I think all the talk of supply chains that began a couple of years ago really helped bring that home for Americans. It's even part of our fight against inflation, because part of what can cause upward pressure on prices is when shipping costs go up. And when there are backlogs and bottlenecks, that pushes up shipping costs, which means if we can solve those backlogs and bottlenecks, we are helping to keep costs and prices under control. Matter of fact, economists believe part of why inflation has cooled off is that we've seen improvements in our supply chains. That's what's at stake when we invest in a port. And by the way, you know, we're not only investing in ports in places like uh, Long Beach, California, or Miami, where you see those big container ships coming in. Uh, there's also a lot of river-based shipping in the United States, including in the Midwest. Barges are actually one of the most environmentally friendly and sometimes one of the most economically efficient ways to move commodities. And so, you know, for every uh, project going into a famous big container port on the east or west coast, uh, we got projects up and down our what we call our marine highways. Uh, which are uh, often the, the system up and down the Mississippi River, the, uh, the Arkansas River, and other, uh, other routes uh, in our country that uh, sometimes a million dollars at a time uh, are really uh, improving our supply chains there, too. I think Mark Twain would be proud. <laughs> I've always wanted to take a steamboat trip. Uh, I know that we're uh, closing and you've got a lot, of, uh, a lot of these conversations to have with people all over the country. So we are grateful for your time. What do you want? Well, let, what do you want to say to folks about getting this message out and learning more about how these investments are having an impact on our communities? Well, I think it is important to understand that this didn't just come out of the blue. If you see these improvements, uh, whether it's the, the big bridges on the south side of Chicago being rebuilt uh, or whether it's fixing Route 9 through Bloomington, Illinois, or, uh, or projects in, in Indian country or anything in between, these are here because President Biden pushed so hard for that bipartisan infrastructure law. And, uh, and we were even able to get a number of Republicans to come over and work with Democrats, work with me, work with the president to make this happen. Uh, and now it's about the 
delivery. And we're so excited about getting these projects done. And even before the projects are done, we're so excited about the good-paying jobs that they're creating, including jobs in the building trades that are more and more open to people who maybe didn't think of themselves as having a place in those uh, uh, those construction trades jobs in the past. We're seeing more and more workers of color. We're seeing more and more working moms, especially uh, with our work to encourage uh, daycare and childcare facilities at construction sites. I saw that at the airport terminal project in Pittsburgh, other places around the country. This is really about opportunity in the short term, building the projects. In the long term, using the infrastructure that those projects create and improve. Uh, outstanding. And uh, I'm grateful for it. And before we go, because I know we have uh, less than a minute left, what are your plans for the holidays, my friend? So we're going to be back home in Michigan. I'm really looking forward to it. We've got uh, a son and a daughter, twins, who are uh, two years old. I think this will be the first time that they kind of understand or begin to understand what Christmas is. Their grandparents are excited to see them. Uh, so like, like millions of Americans, we're going to be traveling uh, and just making the most of time with loved ones, uh, hoping to uh, pause for a moment, take a deep breath, and then get ready for what I know is going to be a very, very busy 2024. We, uh, we wish you the very best. Have a lovely holiday. Stay safe. And thank you again for sharing this information with us. Uh, not for nothing, but we're kind of big fans. So <laughs> appreciate well, it, you. Hope sir. you have a great holiday. And thanks you as well. Thank you so much, Secretary. Appreciate it. Take, Take care. care. Bye. You're listening to WCPT 820 because facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Hey, guess who we have to catch up with today? It is Scott Santos, the political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. And you can catch him, uh, all of his work, at gocomics.com. And uh, you can listen for his uh, mini podcasts on Center Clip. And there's a few of the things. Hey, Scott, let me see if I got you. Let me see. No, I don't have you. Let's see. Uh, why don't I have Scott? Uh, there, now do you have me? I don't. I you it do was now. you. It was you, not me. It was me. It was all me, man. All right. I'm sorry. All right. That's okay. I always, I'm, I always assume it's my fault. I promised, and I, I let Scott know the first thing we were gonna, we were gonna address was a phone call from Roosevelt. Hey, Roosevelt, Woo! you're on with me and Scott Santos. What's on your mind, my friend? Thank you for holding on. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call, Eddie. Of course. Let me. Th- let me say one thing. You are a professional. I mean, the way you conduct yourself on, the, on that interview. Yeah? I felt tongue-tied. I was like, yeah. I, well, well, thank you. We're, we're all stricken, I think. Because <laughs> let me tell you, that guy's a star. That guy is... My mom loves that guy. He's just... I don't know why he, uh, that guy didn't get more votes. Well, because he's fairly new and hardly anybody heard of him. And he's so young. So I said, give him time. You'll see he's going to be climbing in the Democratic Party. Yeah. Oh, I agree completely. I do. Uh, let me take a quick a quick moment to thank Lady B, by the way. We are back on Facebook, folks. We are live back on Facebook. Lady B cut through all the BS because there were some changes made to the system across the board. And uh, so it's our first time back in a couple of days. Thank you, Lady B. It's good to have you back. And thank you for that. Uh, and thank you for your compliment, Roosevelt. I was I was really nervous, Scott. Uh, I, I was Really? Oh, yeah. I was very nervous, you know, well, well, just for various reasons. You know, it's so funny. I asked Griffin if he had any questions. He goes, what, you want me to do your job for you? I was like, oh, my God. Oh, God. I know. Thanks. Thanks. No, I was just wondering if there was anything you wanted to know. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> thank you for that, uh, Roosevelt. What do you say, Scott? I, I, want, oh. uh, I, I want to ask both of you guys, can you explain to me into more detail what this is all about with Trump 
immunity or all this. I mean, it's it's such a ridiculous thing. It's ridiculous. Are we, are what are we in the the days of uh, of uh, of the kings? Okay, I love I love that Jack Smith is just like okay. You know what? We're gonna have to take this to the Supreme Court anyway. This is gonna be his appeal. Was that he yeah. had executive or presidential immunity? So How? right. Well, exactly. But it, like, if they decide that he has presidential immunity, then I say Biden gets to be king now. He just it breaks all the laws yeah, and stays in office. Like and all bets are off then. And that's where I'm heading, uh, Patty. That's where I'm heading. So. He's going to turn our Constitution upside down. See, he already did that when it came down to the insurrection, when it came down to... Remember when he said that... Um, remember when he said that he could do anything he wants? I mean, it's... An, it's, 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 it's ridiculous to, to even... To me, it's ridiculous to even consider to go to the Supreme Court. Because who is he? Who is he? And here's another thing. Doesn't he always say that he didn't do anything wrong? Then what are you worried about? Let the case, you know, let it bring it on. And, you know, I don't understand why this guy gets special privileges. And my mind is, is, is angry because she says, why is it taking so long to put this guy in jail? He's no longer a president. He's not even, you know, in a position in government. Right. No, Roosevelt, I couldn't agree more. I mean, no one is supposed to be above the law. That's how you were raised. That's how yeah. I was raised. That's what we were told, though. And now, apparently, that may or may not be true. But I think the Supreme Court is going yeah. to rule correctly. I really do. They, they've done some stuff. But this is this is one of those basic. Also, uh, uh, but you know who's going to vote for him is Thomas. Thomas is going to vote for him because he did it already because his wife is involved in this thing. Yep. The insurrection. Yep. We're, we're paying for the buses and all that. Yep. So, but here's another thing, too. Get it from the side of the Supreme Court. If he gets in again, he's going to get rid of the Supreme Court. <laughs> he has, he, he, yeah, he has no allegiance or any... Remember how he says that he demands... Remember when he had Comey and he said that he, he demands loyalty? He has no loyalty to anybody. No. So if the, if the Supreme Court happens to rule in the opposite that's it for our democracy you could call it you could call it a day as far as a, a democracy and he really he's really going to do anything he wants but but you know why he's doing it too in my opinion is because of the fact that scared he's trying everything he's throwing spaghetti against the refrigerator the wall everything he's scared and another subject I want to talk about guys and see what you think is Giuliani Oh. And uh, the lawsuit. Yeah, this is uh, this is. I, I am so glad that they're taking him to court, and I hope that they're victorious in this. Uh, this is the uh, the two women, the mother and daughter, who, uh, election judges, who were targeted by him. They, I mean, he basically said, like, he accused them of it wasn't like a drug deal of having a box yeah. of, of, uh, of ballots. Uh, it, it's just awful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they said they were they were fearful for their lives. Yeah. And they should have been because he knew he knew what he was sicking on them. I mean, the whole MAGA you know buffoonery was going, and you know every one of them owns seventeen guns apiece. So yeah, they would be scared. I'd be scared if someone did that and sick those people on me. Yeah, absolutely. So let, let me ask you guys this: So Ruby, the lady uh, Miss Ruby, he's. Suing Giuliani, mm-hmm. it was all started by Trump because he also said stuff on uh, 
Twitter as far as those two particular ladies. They said that, you know, he was saying that he they hit votes and they had boxes under the table, all this garbage. So can't she sue Trump also? Oh, sure. He's a private citizen. Why not? Right. Exactly. That's my point. Well, but I, I think that it was because he was the one that ginned up the story and, you know, gave, fed it to Trump. He was the, he's basically the origin of oh, casting aspersion oh, is, is, is the way I I mean, he was the one that pointed fingers at them and, you know, said, look at this photo. And here it was lip balm. Remember, I think she was giving her lip balm and he said it was a, a, yeah. a, a vial. Oh, of yeah, cocaine. Yeah, 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 I remember. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Oh, that, and and yeah. one more thing, guys. More thing. Today is the day of Our Lady of Guadalupe for all Latinos, for all the oh. whole world, not only Latinos. So I wanted to bring that to your attention and see what you guys I, think about that. It was, not, it was just, not something my mom raised me with necessarily. I did not. There weren't a lot of. Yeah. Um, she was. I think I've mentioned this. Uh, she she at the time when I was little uh, was uh, sending me to Mormon school, Mormon Sunday school. So that was I. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I can't get over that. <laughs> you you are a what? Mormon. I can't get over it. Guess what? Me neither. Just so you know. Did, did she know what she was sending you to? Seriously, did she yeah, just she, think it was a good school? She confirmed or? it. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean, it was, it was, it was, it's a lot, but um, it was Eddie, fine. There's Mormons, there's, Mormons in, there's Mormons in Mexico. I know. There's it's, Mormons, and there's, there's a lot of uh, Jewish people in Mexico, too. Yeah, there's, there's a communities. Uh, we actually, my mom showed us, a, there's a beautiful gated community that's predominantly Jewish. Uh, for, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, no, I, I did not, I was not raised with, uh, with that tradition uh, when I was little. Mom was, uh, yeah, it's all right. I'm good. I got my, we got our own traditions. I'm excited about yep. it. Yep. Are you? Do you? Yeah, part- have you ever partic- participated? Is that the walk, the lawn walk that uh, that we uh, often? That posada. They call it pos- posadas. Posada. Yeah, the, yep. the walk. Yep. When I was little, but then I, you know, once I came to the United States, I, you know, I kind of, you know, pulled away from it. And just in general, as a teenager, you know, your rebellious years, and you know, sure. and I, I used to question my. To this day, I remember I used to question my mom about the Catholic religion in general, and I, you know. And, questions to her and stuff like that but uh, you know the typical stuff that teenagers go through when it comes down to religion uh, does it really exist if it did then why is all these bad things happening you know the typical right sure young people you know and I hope we're successful in supporting Ukraine Wow, so that's you, very Roosevelt essential. had a whole list of things he wanted to get to. Yes, I agree with the uh, visit from uh, President <laughs> yeah. Zelensky uh, and uh, Biden. All these things are important, Patty. I agree. All these things are important. I know. It was, because here's the thing. And, and I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, and Joan said it the best. It's not going to stop at Ukraine. It, no. This is exactly what happened when, when, when World War II. Right. Exactly the same thing. And look around the world. I mean, I'm going to finish you with this. Look around the world in El Salvador. They elected another Trump-like candidate. In Argentina, another Trump-like candidate. You know, so it's happening. I mean, they're, they're, yes, these, they're, these people are they're being are, put in position. And, and El Salvador in particular, decide the Constitution. You're not supposed to be reelected in El Salvador, but he is. He put another another uh, one of his uh, friends in, in his place while he runs for re-election and changes the constitution of El Salvador. 
know if you guys heard about that, yeah. but that's what's going on now there. You know, it's uh, we definitely have threats around the world that uh, we'll have to keep monitoring. I've got to run to the break now. Right, thank you. And thank you for getting me on and on and on. Thank you. Have a, thank, have a good thank, night. Thanks, Roosevelt. There's a lot, a lot of topics we can go back to there, Scott. How are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Bob, good. I've, I've have, I have a list. Oh. <laughs> Do you have a list? I don't usually disagree with Roosevelt, but there's one, uh, one or which two one? things he said that I uh, Ukraine would be one. What you know, I disagree on. What, what part do you disagree on? I think we have to begin questioning it more. Uh, You have a country that has uh, suspended uh, elections, uh, parliamentary elections, elections for the presidency. Um, You say, well, they're in the middle of a war. Well, you know, as you know, Patty, we had an election in the middle of a civil war. Uh, New York City had elections the week following 9-11. There are no excuses not to have elections. They're possible. And so we keep saying this is a democracy. But you can't call it a democracy if it's not democratic. You just, and that's where I'm having serious issues with it. Um, I would probably cut back on funding. I would definitely have more of an accountability attached to it. And what, what's the accountability as far as uh, the weapons, what they're being used for? What? Uh... Yeah, where, where's the money going? Because right. don't forget, America, United States tends to lob a lot of money at places, and Ugh. a lot of it ends up where it shouldn't be. Well, we know we did that uh, in, you know, if, with Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah, yeah we sent pallets yeah. of money and then thought we were going to track it or that it was going to be going to infrastructure, building schools and roads and things like that, and then uh, blow up a lot of those things afterwards. Why are we getting— Just so. Well, how come the buzz went away? There was, did you hear that buzz a minute? ago and now it just went away? No. no. I feel like it's... Are, it's you, are you, are you mag- magnetized to your microphone? I hope not. Yeah, I'm sorry. Was that me? Yeah, I don't know. It just went away. I was I was trying not to let it bother me. Steve says I, I, I focus too much on odd sounds or random sounds. I do the exact same thing. Yeah. I'm in, I'm, seriously, I can be having the most scintillating conversation with the smartest person on the planet, but you know, in the background you hear... I'm thinking, what the hell is that? What, what is that? I wrote an entire essay. I used to be a columnist for our our, uh, our newspaper in, in high school. You know, like a you know kind of oh, a humorist. I didn't know that. Yeah, and I I um I wrote a piece about the the how magnified. I didn't realize I had a disorder at the time. That uh, how magnified every sound during an exam was. I could hear like the ticking of the clock, and I could hear people like tapping their pencils. I could hear like you know people salivate. I mean, yeah. but I didn't realize that. I, I thought everybody else would think it was funny. Apparently, I just put out I put my my freak flag out there. Like, what are you? <laughs> I could hear stuff like you know I could hear clicking or people chewing their gum you know all the stuff. Yeah, what what what, what condition is that? Uh, there's a people who have a, a a low tolerance for random noises. I can't I can't pronounce it, but no, I can't I can't like crinkling noises. Uh, people chewing with their mouths open. Uh, like honestly, I have to be like, and you don't do this, uh, and I won't tell the guests that do. But some guests I can hear them breathing, and it makes me absolutely like loudly. Oh goodness! You know what? Uh, I can't yeah. tell you the name, and it hasn't really happened much here. But when we were back at WGN, and I don't think you ever were in studio with this guest, and I can't tell you the name because it's a whole family of progressives in Chicago, and I don't want I don't want them to come after me. Uh, but because uh, I got <laughs> an argument with one of them on the train uh, one day, we were one of the okay, I can't tell you, but uh, one of them was on the train, and Griffin and I were taking collection, we were collecting signatures, uh, protesting Lori Lightfoot, one of the policies that Lori Lightfoot had, and this is a big supporter of Lori Lightfoot's, and they were like, "How dare you!" You're just trying to make her look bad and all this stuff. Anyway, this guy was the heaviest. Like, 
And I maybe, you know, and he would sit really far back, you know, and I'm like, I need you to come close to the microphone. And when he did, I'm like, oh my God, no, sit back, sit back, sit back. You're fine. <laughs> I well, I can remember, I can remember being on your show and you made a point of telling people not to eat near the microphone. Oh my God. The sound was. Oh, I can't take it. Oh, Paul. So Paul Farvar had, he's going to be on tomorrow. He had a segment of what's Paul eating. And so he would remember, did you, were you ever there when he would eat no, something and have, have no. listeners guess what he was eating? And it made me absolutely <laughs> crazy. Yes. I just didn't know that I had a disorder. Anyway, let's take a quick break here and uh, find okay. out what else is getting, is, is getting on our nerves, mostly politically. Uh, we're hanging out with Scott Santos. He's the political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. Find all of his work at gocomics.com. And uh, of course, Chicago Tribune and Center Clip and the radio show with Ted Rawl is inside the podcast, the DMZ America podcast. Yes. Inside the DMZ podcast. No, just 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 DMZ. I feel like it should be inside the DMZ. I don't know why. All right. More after this on on WCPT820, Heartland (laughs) Signal and KTNF 950 AM, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Alexa, play WCPT. WCPT from TuneIn. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible democratic socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Buy yours at Beer on Central in Evanston, D&D Finer Foods in Evanston, Rogers Park Provisions, Provisions Uptown, and Beer Shop Oak Park. Art must be 21. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are driving it home, and we are joined by Scott Santis, the political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. And uh, let's see, what were we going to go back to? Uh, we were talking about hearing disorders, uh, sensitivity to sound. Okay, you came up with that. You came up with the name. Yes, you, mis- it's misophonia. It misophonia is a disorder where you have a decreased tolerance to specific sounds and things you can sense related to them. I, well, so it's funny. So I, I mentioned to you off the air that when somebody is like, you know, has something in their throat and they're clearing their throat, but like some people like dig it into their sinus, like like they'll snort it up and then like <laughs> it, it, it makes me absolutely nuts. Like I, I, I need like a a non phlegm section of restaurants, like people who I, I can't. It just makes me crazy. And it and it's you know it's even pre COVID people like coughing and having I can hear like the chunkiness. Yeah, it makes me crazy. Wow. Anyway, so no, that's... Um, yeah. Yeah, I'd not heard of uh, something quite like that, but I remember being on your show, and it struck me as odd at the time, I never really followed up, is when you said, you know, you really hated people eating, chewing food on the mic, and you yeah. asked them, in the middle of the break, and during the break, you asked people, don't do that, please. Yeah, I can't, because it goes right into my brainstem. It's because, especially with the headphones, it's like feeding it right into my. Uh, I, get, like, I can't. I'm just thinking about it. It's giving. I'm like paralyzed with uh, anxiety. Have uh, you always had that? And um, well, like I said, I wrote that piece in high school, so presumably, so, yeah. yes, I've had it for a long, long, long time, as long as I can remember. So there's that. Do they know what causes that, or what the? Why? Is it uh, a symptom of something else? Say, um, what it is triggers symptoms and treatment. Oh, maybe I should take a look and see what the Cleveland Clinics clinic says. As far as uh, management and treatment, let's see what that says. Okay, uh, it's not officially rec- it's not officially recognized as a condition, but doesn't mean that its, its, tre- its effects aren't untreatable. 
let's see, mental health therapies, okay. uh, identifying the triggers, finding ways, to asking people not to chew with their mouth open, apparently is one way. <laughs> could, you, could you please stop breathing loudly? <laughs> okay. Uh, so, so, Scott... Um, Let's yes. talk a bit about first about I think Texas because one of the things that you and I uh, were able to uh, you know discuss I think like adults even though we were on opposite sides of abortion in many ways uh, I, this but this is why Scott this Texas is why uh, bans and restrictions are problematic right I mean yeah absolutely uh, it, it, there's there's just no uh, there's no way around that this is unconscionable what Ye- they're doing to Kate Cox yes this we should is- know her name go ahead. Yes, Kay Cox is her name, and she. Um, as of today, I'm not sure if you followed the, story, the news today because I'm. Going, I've already announced. I think I announced it. Maybe I'm announcing it now on your show again. But I'm going to be drawing for the Dallas Morning News again, beginning in uh, 2024. Uh, so I'm following Texas news much more closely. She had to fly out of the state, mm-hmm. and the Supreme Court, which by the way is elected, in case you didn't know. Um, really? Ruled, oh yeah, so was our, yes, I didn't know ours was either, and, but. Attorney General Paxton, who is a worthless piece of goza, if I could curse in Mandarin, um, he is or he is just he just escaped impeachment by a vote. He also is a sexual predator. And I mean, that's just a whole this is a very, very bad guy. And he's still the attorney general. And he is um, he brought this to the for those who may not know, um, Ms. Cox had had a pregnancy at. It, I'm not sure what the technical a- aspect of it is, but needed to be terminated, and, and it could risk her life if they do not. The way the law is written, and this was my main complaint about all these laws across the country, including here in Alabama where I live, it's written by, oh, what's that? Idiots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. They were written by morons who were not doctors, and so OBGYNs. Patty, they just closed two more birthing centers here in Alabama, and one of them here in Shelby County, which is the third largest county in the state, now has no place to give birth because the OBGYNs, because the law is so bad and so badly written, they don't. They read it and they go, I don't know what I can or cannot do. Right. Getting back to Texas. She needs to do this. She goes to court and sues saying, listen, I have to have this procedure sooner rather than later. The initial court says, okay. Right. Then... <laughs> the, the, the worthless piece of goza AG comes in, Paxton. And by the way, look him up because oh, yeah. he looks like Shady. I am describing him. Okay. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so he he comes on the scene and takes it, appeals it up to the Supreme Court. Supreme Court of the state of Texas gives a temporary restraining order on, on, on her saying you can't have it, which would be like, you know, you're having it. It'd be like if, if you're having treatment for cancer and they said, you know, that chemo, we're going to time yeah. out right now. Just just, just yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. Well, she says, I can't do it. I've got to take care of this now. She has since flown out of the state to have the procedure done in the Supreme Court this afternoon ruled against her. Right. Said that she cannot have the rules, the, the law waived for her. So, yeah, this is, I mean, this is what happens when government, overreach and government decides to tell you what you can and cannot do with your body. Um, you know, I was just thinking about this. Uh, we're going to go see uh, Golden Girls. Uh, the, oh, that's right. You're coming. Oh, you're coming into town. That's right. You're coming in tomorrow. I am. I hope. I, yeah, I hope I get to see you. Yes, I'll be around. We're, we're coming and going real fast. Okay. Um, yeah, let's set something up. Okay. But I um, mean, it's a, it's a drag show, and down here they go nuts about that stuff. Every red state is losing its mind about drag shows. It's like, okay, no one's dragging anyone. No one has to go see this. 
These are adults performing for adults. I mean, it's like, don't tell me what I can and cannot see. Don't tell me what I can and cannot read. And when it comes to, listen, I would encourage people not to have abortions. I think at some point you are killing another human being. Let's put that aside for a second. The government, I mean, do you really want the likes of Paxton to be your moral arbiter? No. To tell you what you can I don't do want in any, your I don't life. want anyone else to be my moral arbiter uh, when it comes yeah. to my own body. Because it's a, because you're just saying that there were incubators, and whatever is around the the, feed, the fetal tissue, the fetus is uh, inconsequential. In the way this law is structured in Texas, you have to be near death, right? I mean, literally on death's door, right? For them to say, okay, exactly. I mean, this, that's nuts. That is just insane. Regardless of which side, I mean, I'm really I'm talking to people who may. You know, think abortion is wrong and morally wrong, but I'm saying look at this case and tell me that this was handled the right way. Because if you tell me that it is. Oh, sure. I've seen people online say everything from she should have kept her legs closed, even though she has two other children. She's married with two kids already. I know, and she wanted to have more children. She wanted to have a big family to, uh, you know, this is exactly what the law is intended to do, that uh, there's no proof that it, you know, it's not 100% certain that it would threaten her life. That it would have any impact on her health. Every pregnancy has its risks. Uh, there's a caller. I don't know what this is in reference to, but they want to correct you, and so I feel like I, I am. Oh, please! Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm wrong. Correct me. I, I'm the same way. That's why, that, that's why I like you. Both of us are like, huh? I hadn't thought of it that way. So, Steve, what do you want to correct uh, Scott on? And this is not a call coming from my own house, Scott. Just want you to know that. Hey, Steve. Okay. <laughs> no, this is Steve in Chicago, not Steve, Mr. Patty. Um, <laughs> I'm, I want. I want to circle back to uh, the comment you touched on briefly about uh, funding for Ukraine. Yes, of course, any money we spend should be we should be accounted for. But I can promise you, the quickest way to assure that a, a, a election never happens again in Ukraine is to not fund their defense. Once Russia rolls in there, there will never be a fair election again. And then they'll roll into Poland, and there'll never be a fair election there again. And then they'll roll into Lithuania, and there'll never be one there again. You've got to stop making perfect the enemy of good. Yes, Ukraine is not perfect. Yes, it needs to improve. It will improve when we help establish democracy there and, and kick out Putin. Well, but one of the arguments, Steve, that about Ukraine was that it was a democracy, and that it, that was it why is people a like democracy. me. Well, you can't call it a democracy if you're not having elections. You just it's, it's something different, isn't it? It's a democracy. It's a democracy that is under siege by a fascist power. Maybe you. Maybe they've established that you can't that you can't have a fair and safe election, and half the country is, is being dominated by a by a fascist. Tell me well, something. And that, tell me no. Sure. Tell me something. It's nineteen. It's nineteen forty. Right. Germany has turned against the Soviet Union. Do we go? Well, you know, Soviet Union's not a democracy. We're going to let them rot, and we're going to and we're going to let the, the Russians take over Europe, or we're going to take the, the Germans take over Europe. 
Again, you no. can't like, like you can't here. let perfect be the enemy of good. And here, let me throw something else. So, because I, I, I quickly did a little bit of research. So, one of the sure. so there are a lot of people weighing in on this, and uh, civil. So, there are civil society groups. Or they're doing research. They're they're trying to hear from all different people. So, here it is. One of the things it's cited is challenges, including the impossibility of ensuring the full participation of the military and voters abroad. There's an estimated 6.3 million Ukrainians who are currently refugees, and another five million who are internally displaced. Um, also, there's a lack of political competition, given that the rights and freedoms are narrowed under mar- martial law as it is. So there's right. there's so many things going on. And then the other concerns are Russia has drones uh, that can be unleashed in Ukrainian cities almost daily, and they could pull they could hit polling stations where people will be gathered in bigger groups. Well, and again, I come back to say that the, the United States was having a civil war, and we had an election. We didn't have drones. We didn't, and we didn't have drones, and we weren't under under attack by a foreign nation. And we weren't all displaced like this. And uh, two thirds of Ukrainians also believe. So they're, they're polling Ukrainians. Apparently, uh, Ukrainians also believe the country's electronic voting system would be vulnerable to hacking by Russia. And uh, so they're polling the Ukrainians and asking them what they want to do to the best of their ability. Um, so, and I'm not doesn't saying. Doesn't that strike you as odd? Um, that you can have polling, but you can't have an election. That's all I'm, I'm but saying. saying and but I, under I, I the think threat. Steve's point is actually more more salient. That is, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. He makes a great point about the Soviet being allies with the Soviet Union in the, in World War II. Uh, we don't know. You know, not a lot of Americans liked that. Certainly, not a lot. Winston Churchill didn't like it, but it was a nece- necessary to stop Hitler, who was a much bigger re- threat at the time. So that argument holds. Ukraine, and Ukraine is much more of a democracy than the Soviet Union ever was. Well, that's just Putin's running for a re-election again. What's more democratic than that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, you got to hand sorry. it to Putin. He's continuing. He's continuing the the honorable Soviet uh, history of elections, where you know, the, it's the old joke about the the citizen goes up to and the, they hand him his ballot. And he starts to open it, and they go, "What are you doing?" He goes. I want to look at my ballot. They go, no, 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 secret ballot. <laughs> so, no, you're right. I would say you've got to be more cautious. They're throwing a lot of money. At, I mean, and proxy wars for us, the United States, you know, starting with Vietnam or even Korea, don't always end well. I'm glad we haven't put boots on the ground. Um, and But this is, I think now we're at a point, there are a lot of, a lot of people agitating for peace talks. The Biden administration is one of them uh, behind closed doors in a very discreet way, which is how it should be. I suspect this is going to end in a way that Russia is going to get much of what it wanted, quite frankly. It's going to hold Crimea. It's going to, the uh, breakaway republics to the um, uh, to the east of Ukraine are probably going to be either given autonomy or ceded to the to the Russia. I still say Soviet Union. I'm so damned old, Patty. <laughs> but, um, I know. And that's going to be just like giving Hitler Sudetenland and Austria and, uh, and Czechoslovakia. It, Putin will not be satisfied. He, he's not going to be happy until he has reassembled the Soviet Union. Yeah, he wants to get the band back together. Listen, as a Lithuanian, yeah. a Lithuanian-American, I can uh, totally agree with you. On, and it's yeah. terrifying for that. So, yes, Steve, you made a great argument, honest to God, that the, the one about uh, our alliance with the Soviet Union makes uh, during World War II. Is that, that, that hit me in a place I hadn't thought of before. Um, 
By the way, according to the laws of Ukraine, apparently they're following their martial law, which is a postponed elections. Right, but but martial law. I mean, come on. I know, but martial law is bad. I mean, it's an over overstriding. Our favorite, one of our favorite presidents, also did a lot of shady stuff during the Civil War, as an example. To say, um, oh, habeas corpus, come on, a little, a little, something, a little couple, couple <laughs> things here or there. Just saying. Well, and, and, and to our internal embarrassment during World War Two, we you know we locked up yeah. Italians yeah. And, and Japanese yeah. American citizens. Yeah, you know? yeah. So there, there you go. There, I'm doing now. You have me doing research on the air, which is fine. I, you know, I like doing that. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate <laughs> Steve, it. Steve, thank, thank you. you. Thank have you. a great night. Thank you. Thank you. What a, what a great what? No, seriously, I love good arguments. I love when you know, and that that comparison between you know the allies, um, you know, fighting with the Soviet Union. They did not like the Soviet Union, but they they did it to fight a bigger and an even bigger evil as the, from their percept from their perspective right what a, yeah steve what a great argument no Dude. seriously i'm, I'm right. always blown away by good arguments Dude, here for steve let's take a break <laughs> i need more sound effects on this show let's take a quick you I, do. Wait, here let me see what do I, I think i have something here do i have here how about this one Oh, wait. No sense of decency, sir. Let's <laughs> take a quick break here. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM. We're hanging out with Scott Stantis, our favorite cartoonist here on the show. Oh, and, thank and, you. And, well, just in our, in our hearts. He's the cartoonist of our hearts. More in a moment. It's <laughs> <laughs> very easy to draw. <laughs> hey, this is Reverend Mitchell L. E. Kenner Johnson inviting you to join me every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Yes, that's early. But when you get there, you'll find information, education, and you may just be entertained. That's the My Community Plan Foundation Hour, Sunday mornings at 7 on WCPT Radio, 820 AM, because facts matter. Chicago's Progressive hey there, Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200 or EuropeanUS.com. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And as we wrap up the show, we uh, want to say thank you to Scott Stantis, the cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. And uh, Scott, it's fun hanging out with you. I'm so glad you're coming back to Chicago. And um, and you're going to Kenosha, which is uh, just cracks me up. I love... I was just in Kenosha. I love, I love Kenosha. I was there all last weekend. Place? It really is. Uh, so uh, you're, you have friends in Kenosha, there, mm-hmm. and you've been before. Do you have any favorite oh, locations? Yeah, so- uh, you, I, like the I, um, I, I have stories, and this will not surprise you in the least. I can't remember where they were um, because I was with. You, does the name uh, Dennis Kitchen mean anything to you? It sounds familiar. It doesn't have to. He is the publisher. He was the publisher of all of the great underground cartoonists in the sixties uh-huh. and seventies. And so he and I were. They have a, the Kenosha cart, uh, Festival of Cartooning, and we were both guest speakers there. So we went out to the bars, and uh, the next thing we know, they're saying, "Excuse us, sirs, we're closing." <laughs> <laughs> so then we went to another bar, uh-huh. and a couple hours later, I said, "Excuse us, sirs, we're closing." So, and I cannot rem- quite remember. Uh, it was a glorious night. Just uh, hearing you talk about that—that's one of those 
things. So. You know what I want to do? I, I want to go to a, a supper club. I've never been to a Wisconsin supper club, but I've heard they're magical. They, this We went to one when we were in Kenosha last time, and... Um, it was uh, it was amazing. It was like, oh my God, it's the sixties again. I'm going out to dinner with my parents. <laughs> it really, it's so weird and so weirdly like nostalgic. Those of us of a certain age are looking around, going, "Crap!" They I thought they threw this stuff away. <laughs> and apparently, the, is it the brandy old fashions are the uh, yes the the did main... you know that's an ice cream drink? You can make it an ice cream drink. I would imagine I've had it a is brandy. An ice cream drink. It is an ice cream drink. I did not know that. I thought it was well, just at least a... in the two. At the one you went to, that yeah. sounds. That we, also sounds. We started magical. with an old, with an old fashioned because that's what yours have to do. Okay, apparently. All right, excellent. Yeah. And you and are going comes to in see a drum. Oh, okay, that I've got to check that out. You are also going to see the Golden Girls, right? Their holiday stage. Yes, yes, the lost episode. The mm. Golden Girls save Christmas this year. That's, I, I've had a friend who has, has been in that. My friend Michael Silver. No. Yes, it's a, it's a drag oh, show. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they are they are excellent. They are. I have not been to a show, a theatrical that where I've laughed that hard ever. Oh, I love that you're coming. I love you coming in for that. And hopefully, I get get to tip one back with you while you're in town. Yeah. And congratulate yeah, yeah. you in purpose in, in person. I know that you've uh, posted a beautiful picture. Oh, one last thing, just quickly. Uh, we loved your post with uh, Norman Lear. I didn't know you had a chance to meet him, so that's very sweet yeah. that you posted that as well. He was, I mean, it was great because my dad was in television for 40 years. And so uh, I was at, a, he was at an event at the Union League Club, walked up and introduced myself. And he, I just started talking about the old TV days. And he was just, it was a remarkable, he was sharp as a tack. And this was not that long ago. Wow. Um, so, well, yeah, it was I'm, very I'm glad cool. you had to have that moment. And uh, I'm glad we had to have this moment with you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Thank Scott. You. Everyone go to gocomics.com, the Chicago Tribune, and soon again in the, in the Dallas Morning Star. Right? Dallas Morning? New. News. 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 Dallas News. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. I've heard it both ways. <laughs> I've got to run. Lady B, thank you so much for everything. Mike Kurtz up next with Devil's Advocates. Love you, Scott. Bye, everyone. Good night. Love you.